This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Tens of thousands of Ukrainian refugees have fled the Russian invasion and are now living in the UK, with the majority of them wanting to stay in London. Joe Summerfield and her family made the decision to host Ukrainians in their home. Three months down the line, what has it been like for both the British and the Ukrainians? I'm delighted to have Joe join me now to tell me more. Joe, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for asking me. Joe, what prompted you to take in refugees? I think there's there's two things. Uh, if I can just say a little bit about my history, because I think that explains uh, a little bit more. Um, I've worked in the former Soviet Union, Russia, Ukraine, uh, the SANS, uh, for my whole career, which is about 32 years. And therefore, this particular tragedy was very close to home because I felt, obviously, I speak the language, that if there's anything I could do to be of help to anyone, I would. And I suppose that's the first thing that prompted us to get involved. Um, the second thing is, as always, chance. Uh, my daughter was looking for a flat on Flatshare and a young woman posted to say that she was living in London. She was Ukrainian. She was due to go back to the Ukraine the day that war broke out. She found herself homeless because she'd given up the flat she had had. Did anyone know anywhere she could stay? And on top of that, and this is where I think uh, fate of a shirt comes in, she was looking for somebody to sponsor her mum, with the problem being that her mum didn't speak a word of English, 55-year-old lady without any English. And and that's how our story began. So it, were, it was very much a family decision and a family venture. Joe, like many Brits, you have taken families in, and it was a, a sheer act of kindness for you. What has it been like for the majority of families? First of all, I'd say from our point of view, it wasn't an act of kindness at all that we thought of. It was just something that felt right. I don't think we thought of it as anything, but it felt right. Um, I also can't answer on behalf of all families because, as a lot of the press have said, it's been a very mixed message coming from hosts and Ukrainians. I have my own thoughts on that. I think a lot of it is managing your expectations, being relaxed and realizing that no one is one dimensional. We're all complex people. And therefore, you have to understand that the people you're hosting are coming with their own complexities. Um, But I can only speak for us. And I would say that um, the lady came to us um, on first day, uh, Seder night, literally just before we sat down for Seder. Um, and in the main, I think it's been a very positive experience. Definitely as a family, we've learned a lot. It's definitely not without its complexities, but nothing that would put me back, put me off ever doing it again. And if I had my time again, I would do the same thing. You talk about first night Pesach, which is quite moving and emotional, you know, allowing the stranger in. Can you tell me a little bit about your community and what your shul has been doing? Actually, I'm delighted you asked that question. (laughs) If I could have done, I'd have given you the lead on that one. I'm exceptionally proud to be a member of Hampshire Garden Suburb Synagogue, Norris Lee. And I think we have been outstanding in our response, Um, not just paying lip service, but actually physically going out and doing things. The first event we started was actually by chance. 
because I'd reached out to my community here and said, I've got these two ladies living with me. Um, one's 55 and a size 14. One is 23, tall, skinny, blonde and beautiful. And they've come with literally one suitcase for all their stuff. The lady Ludmilla has lived in her house for 56 years and she's come here with one suitcase and not enough clothes. Can anyone help me? I got inundated with clothes. I mean, inundated. And you asked me, how's it been for my family? I think that was probably my most challenging night because I realized very quickly there was a lot of clothes coming in and there's only two ladies living with me. And lovely as my husband is and my family are, to come home to uh, a line of Ukrainian ladies outside my door probably wouldn't do our street cred any good, nor our marriage. So I sort of gave those ladies that first came close because I put it out on Facebook. And then this happened on the Wednesday. By the Sunday, we had organized via my shawl to open up the shawl to get all these clothes. Now, you're talking about clothes enough to fill a massive room. We got clothes. We got donations. We got toiletries. We got toys. We had a dozen volunteers to set up, a dozen volunteers to help on the day. We had Ukrainian music. We hope that we gave not just free clothes, because anyone can do that, but we showed the hand of kindness and we treated them like they're all individuals and we wanted to hear their stories and we wanted to play with their children. And it was such a successful event that we decided that children grow, seasons change. The need isn't just one off. The need that these people have is constant and we need to be able to provide for that. So I'm delighted to say that last Sunday we launched the hub, which is in a center underneath an office, very kindly given to us by a benefactor to use for this purpose. And we've set up a shop that will be a cashless shop open on Sundays, every Sunday, manned by volunteers and also the lovely lady Ludmilla, who's living with me. And it will be open from 10 till 2, where we'll offer not only clothes and cosmetics and toiletries and ladies' hygiene items, but we're also offering CV practice, interview practice, and maybe most importantly, we're offering these people a community so that they feel like they have someone that they know in London, that they've got my number, they've got Ludmilla's number, they've got, we're working, I'm working with an exceptional team from Hampstead Garden Suburb, a small team of volunteers that are out of this world and nothing seems to be too much for them. I mean, Joe, it's so inspiring to hear you talk, but you talk about the CVs. You know, at the moment of the war when the images were coming out, everybody was shocked and horrified and emotions were running high and it's very easy to open your house at, at that moment. But then as time goes on and it doesn't look like the war is going to end and there may very well be increase in refugees, well, how do you see the future? I wish I could be more positive, but I can't because I don't see a happy ending in the nearest of time. So I think all we can do is help to make these people as welcome as possible in the UK and to give them the skills that they can feel part of the United Kingdom for as long as they're here. So that if you make somebody feel part of the culture and part of the community, if you give them ability to enter a workspace then you hope that for the time they're here, they will give back as much as they receive. And therefore, almost we can't change what happens in the war. You know, none of us can change the course that this war will take, but we can change the course of the people that come to visit our country. And in terms 
of um I was reading up that many people would prefer to live in London for the obvious reasons that there are other people um living in London that it's a town it's a busy town. But I understand that there are actually attempts to get people out of London and into the more kind of rural areas. I don't know about any attempts on that, but I do know a couple of ladies I work with and actually a couple of the guys, they've got um people living with them and they live not in London at all. Um so I think it's already happening automatically so i don't know of any specific push to move them outside of london but i i do know that the word is spreading also you know let's my show i'm talking on the topic of xenophobia in south africa which is really really a big deal and you know something that is, is, is some attention constantly simmering under the surface is that the same in the uk and do you fear that with more and more refugees coming in there will be a backlash from the brits yeah i can only speak in the micro rather than the macro, I think for us, what Hampshire Garden Suburb are trying to do and what we're trying to do as a community is to integrate people and ensure mostly xenophobia is from ignorance. You know, if you take away that ignorance and we all open our hearts and, you know, not in a naive way, because as I said, when we started this off, people are multidimensional. You get good people and bad people and people that will make the most of things and people that will take And I think by breaking it down and making people see the Ukrainian refugees as people, I hope that will help. Um, You ask, do I think it will get worse as um, more people come over? My gut feeling is what will make things worse is the cost of living, which is due to the cost of the war, not the cost of Ukrainians coming over. And unfortunately, again, we're powerless to be able to change that. Joa, as someone who has in, uh, who has been very immersed in Russian and Ukrainian culture, how do you feel and make sense of what is happening? I can make no sense of it except to say this hasn't happened overnight. This is something that's been it has been happening in the background, but the rest of the world either didn't know or closed their eyes to it. This isn't something that happened in you know in in one foul swoop in February this year. I think one thing that is interesting in order to show how little one can make sense of it, is the majority of Ukrainians speak Russian, either as a first or second language. We're not talking about an invading country where there is no cultural ties. And perhaps that makes it even harder to understand. Yeah, I think I think you're 100% right there. And then I think that would be my last question to you, Joe. In terms of, you know, the way you talk, it sounds, your dedication almost sounds the ideal. It's, I don't want to say a romanticized way of, you know, letting somebody in, but it does sound like you and your Ukrainian woman that's staying with you have formed a bond, that the desire to help and to give and to give back is there, that everybody's involved in a community. And I, I guess, to, I wonder to what extent that is representative of other families and to what extent it's not. Hard for me to say because I don't have access to other families except for the ladies that come through the door. You know, I, it may sound ideal and idealistic. Day-to-day living isn't. Day-to-day living has its complexities. You know, it's not natural for a 55-year-old woman, 56-year-old, I'm sorry, to come and live with me in my house. A lady who's lived in the same bed for all those years to come and live with me, to use my kitchen, that's not natural for her. It's not natural for me, who maybe comes in from work and wants five minutes peace, to have somebody asking me questions because the daughter wants to go to university and she needs help doing a CV or or a UCAS form or whatever it's called. It's not natural. Overall, though, and overridingly, 
as um, my late mother used to say, this too will pass. Nothing is forever. And and I hope by trying not to, to, to look too hard at the complexities of the life, but look a little bit more of an overview of the general good that it's doing. I, I hope we'll get through this period and, and I hope they leave and they're still friends with us. What this conversation reminds me of is a few weeks back, I spoke to the grandson of a man who took in a little child from the kinder transport. And he was talking about the very special relationship that developed between his new aunt and uh, his grandfather. And it was so touching and so moving. And the relationship that developed between the two is, you can't really describe it. And and she obviously went on to have her own family. She moved to Israel and she had her own family. And, you know, even he as the grandson has a connection to his auntie who lives in Israel. And the ties that bind are often sometimes not those that are, you, you would think, but the ones that are created in times like this. And those are the ones that really keep the generations going forward together that that kind of makes history. I would agree with that. I I think it goes further than that as well. I think that within our own community, we are going intergenerational to help. We are, we've got a lovely lady who is in her um, early 80s who's cooking cakes every week, baking cakes for the Ukrainians. And we've got children that are giving toys. So I think not only is it the bonds that we are lucky to have with Ukrainians that are either living with us or you don't have to have someone live with you to make a bond that are living with your friends or in your community, as well as the bonds of a, of a, of a community all trying to help. It is quite phenomenal. And, um, you know, I never thought I would see a war in Europe in my lifetime. Um, I, I was one of the people I generally genuinely didn't know. So, um, and, and it's, reassuring to know that that kind of humanity is is there and it's available and i just want to commend you and your community and all those that are doing the right thing for doing so thank you on behalf of my community thank you because it's an outstanding place to be thank you very much that was joe summerfield who is living in london and has taken in ukrainians as so many of her countrymen have